0: How to test an idea before you throw all your money down the toilet on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Get Response. Are you a small business owner, professional blogger, or a marketing agency? Get Response can help you connect with your audience in a meaningful way. To see how Get Response can help your business and get your first month free, go to backslash getresponse
1: Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by bestselling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host.
0: There's nothing worse than creating something that nobody wants. Every once in a while, someone approaches me with a product idea that's absolutely terrible. And I just have this really bad feeling about it. And they have this idea and they start saying things like, you can get it on the ground floor. Anytime someone mentions the ground floor, I know it's a bad idea. Always makes me real nervous. That's one of the phrases that people use to make up for the fact that no one wants their idea yet or that no one sees the potential. Really great ideas are things that you know will do well because other people in the market are already selling. But a lot of times we have an idea, go, oh, no one's doing this yet. I want to get into this space. I was watching, you know, I love to talk about the TV shows. I watch, I get a lot of ideas from watching these investor shows. This guy invented these lights that you strapped to the side of your ice skates, which people absolutely loved. I can understand why you like that. You got some lights. It looks like you're dancing on light when you're ice skating around. And then he invented these gloves that you could use to control them, and the gloves were bulky, and the gloves were uncomfortable, and everyone hated the gloves. And, you know, he's negotiating, trying to do a deal, and he goes, no, the gloves are part of it, and, You know that's why the price is so high, people have to have the gloves, I think. And they did this um, this test, you know, they had a bunch of people try it out, like a focus group, they went to an ice skating a bunch of people tried it and everyone goes, we love the skates, we hate the gloves. And he walks out and goes, see, I was right, everyone loves everything, everyone loves my invention. And you watched every single person goes, hate the gloves, hate the gloves, hate the gloves, he goes, see, they all love the gloves. And we get caught up into these delusions. How do people get into these delusions? We watch that and you go, how could anyone be that delusional? Where someone could go, I hate the shoes. He goes, I'm so glad you love the shoes, right? How could we get to that point? And we need to understand that testing is absolutely critical before you put so much effort. I'm in the middle of a new project. I closed this amazing deal with a new partner after my conference in Bangkok. This one deal has already earned me twice what the conference cost me to attend. We've already doubled my investment, and we have an amazing deal, and he came to you with an idea for a product. It's actually really good. And the reason I know it's really good is because there's competition out there doing something very similar. Basically, there's training courses that cost anywhere from ten dollars to $20,000. Average price is around $11,000, and we're gonna create a book that fits into that space that's before you jump in And pay a bunch of extra money for an extensive course this is kind of to get you off the ground to get a feel before you go that next step so it's a really good space so we're entering a space right now the competition is high ticket well here's a low ticket and we can then take our customer base and then send them to the right high ticket program for them so we're creating an opportunity so already by seeing the market i see something really good now there's not a lot of low ticket competition there's a little bit what that tells me is that there's some interest and some other people made a little bit of money in space, but it doesn't guarantee me that our offer will work. Now, there's a couple of things about our offer. Um, it teaches people how to do something with technology. And so the first thing we really had to dial in, we were talking about the age of the market and these things. And he thought, oh, I think the main story should be about someone who's 29. And I said, well, when you're talking about twi- technology, when you're saying to someone my age in my late 30s, well, mid-30s, at the end of my mid-30s, <laughs> not quite to late 30s, and when you're away from that, When you say to me, oh, a 29-year-old could do it, I go, well, that doesn't mean anything to me. There are tons of things that younger people could do that I'll never be able to do. I used to be a very good video game player. My neighbor, one of my friends, used to be a professional player who traveled the world. He will never compete internationally again. He's simply too old. Younger kids who grow up on the modern games or the latest generation games, they have different twitch muscles. They can move their eye and hand coordination faster. They'll always be better. All the best video game players will always be under 25 just like any other sport. And I guess that's why it is a sport. As you get older, your reflexes slow down, your ability to adapt slows down and you simply aren't at the top of your game. There's no one who's 40 on the professional video game circuit. I could be wrong, maybe I'll get an email saying I'm totally wrong and you'll have an exception, but this has been my experience because when I was in my early 20s, I was very good and now when I play the same game, I'm awful. So, the competition's gotten better but I've also gotten worse. I can admit I'm not very good anymore. The younger me could beat modern me. So the messaging has to fit your audience. So if I hear the same story, oh, this is a technology thing that even someone in their 40s can do, I go, oh, then I am in the, group of people that can do that. And that was part of what we were talking about. And the way we'll find our right answers, even though we know there's a market for this product, it's actually a good space, the guy's been in the space for a long time, is by testing. And so when we start to launch the product, we've already got three messages I want to test. One is that we're targeting people who are already interested in this type of technology uh, business, people who want to work for themselves technology business. The other thing we want to look at is how can we offer this as a biz op? And Bizop is the idea of, hey, let me train you how to do something where you can make good money. So it's a business opportunity or a business in a box. This is really, and what's interesting is this really trains you for a job. So it trains you how to get a job that's high paying. And there's a lot of openings. Right now, in that particular market, there's always more jobs than there are people to fill them. So it's a really good space. It's a growing space. And a lot of colleges are launching new programs to adapt to this, you know, technology jobs. But it's something you can learn how to do in less than three months. So it's really interesting and it's really, really cool in a lot of ways. But we want to test that. So I want to test how can we say to people, oh, this is just like getting into foreign exchange or this is just like getting into currency speculation. This is just like getting into binary, which is a type of stock investment program, which is very, very popular right now. People love that stuff. Now, I'm not really interested in going that far. I don't want to really launch a binary offer because you have to constantly give people stock alerts and tell them which stock to do this and which stock to do that to. And that enters, I don't want to become the Wolf of Wall Street and kind of dabble in a market because I'm not a stock market guy. But we want to approach those same people and say, here's something that's a little more stable. But a lot of those people, they want push a button, get rich. So it's finding that balance. So the way to create our message will be to test it. We'll buy traffic and run different types of ads. The guy I'm working with is an expert at buying advertising. And we're going to buy advertising and test several different markets. And we'll probably test several different variations. So how can you do testing yourself? A lot of people, when they have an idea or an invention, they go around to their friends and they say, hey, would you buy this? And they, people go, yes. And then the person goes, okay, I have a winner. And the thing is, would you buy it means nothing. It's an empty statement. People say it all the time. Would you buy it means I like it. But there's a huge difference between I like it and that I would spend $20 on this rather than going out to dinner tonight, right? It's when we actually have to spend our own real money that we get a real answer. So what we really want to do is have people buy our product before we create it. There's a couple of ways to do this. The first is to have a fake sales page. What this means is you create your sales message, you create your sales page, and you have a checkout page. And when people click on the checkout page, it lets them fill in their credit card information. And on the next page, it goes, oh, sorry, we're out of stock. Your order has been canceled, and we didn't. And you don't save their credit card information. Please don't do that. Okay, that's illegal. What you do is you don't accept their order information. You don't accept their order. Now, the reason you do like this is because of cart abandons. About ninety percent of people they get to the checkout page where they can see the price of something, they see the cost of shipping and everything, and then they don't complete the order. So, if you only measure people who went to the checkout page, you won't get a real answer. Unless you t- want to take that number and divide by 10. But it's still all estimation game because maybe for your product, 50% of people say yes. And a lot of times people just click on the add to cart button because they want to see all the pricing. they will say, okay, what does this really cost? What does this cost for shipping? What else is sticking in here? So it doesn't mean anything. It's only when people enter their credit card information. The second thing you can do is take pre-orders. And people do this all the time. And one of the ways you can do this is to say the product will be delivered over the course of the next 12 weeks starting on the date. I see courses like that all the time. And people think, oh, it's so cool, it's delivered live. I'm like, they're doing that because they haven't made it yet. <laughs> they're doing that because they don't want to make it if only one person buys. And sometimes they say, oh, it's delivered by live training sessions, it's delivered via webinar, it's delivered the course the next 6, 12, 10 weeks, whatever. All of that is pre-orders for a service, for a training, because you're saying, pay now. Once enough people pay, then I'll teach you. Then I'll provide the product. And this is the business model for uh, the t-shirt business model as well. A lot of people will design a t-shirt and they'll say, oh, if we sell 50 of these t-shirts in the next seven days, then we'll create them. So they take all the credit cards and the credit cards only get charged if the shirt hits its number. This is the entire Teespring business model, which is a very strong business model. It's the idea of we need to make sure there's enough interest before we make it. We're not printing a one-off of a shirt. We're not do- designing a silk screen template for one shirt is what it's really about. Because the silk so stuff costs. So it's a way of spreading out the cost before you create something. And this is somewhat how crowdfunding works for other things. You know, you look at Kickstarter, Indiegogo, the way those platforms work is they get people basically to buy the product before it's even made. Oftentimes, people invest in a campaign, and I've seen this before, and the thing never gets made. I saw someone who raised $176,000 and then they never made what people paid for. And Fiverr's rules at the time never said you have to have to make it. You can take the money, do whatever you want with it. So needless to say, several people that play that game are in the middle of lawsuits. And as they should be, if you're going to take a bunch of people's money and then never do what you promised. And in fact, one of those people then launched another campaign a few years later to make something else. They're like You didn't make the first thing. What are you doing? How dare you? But you can you can do that because some of those places, they made some mistakes with how they designed their rules because they never thought someone would come in, launch a campaign and then just never do anything with it, just keep the money. And there's a couple of companies that have done that. I think there was a motorcycle helmet company that did it. I can't remember the exact name. There's a video game company that did it. There's someone who said they're going to make a series of YouTube videos that did it. They make these products. They make just enough to get through their crowdfunding campaign. You don't want to do that. The purpose of the crowdfunding campaign is to show people your idea, show a bunch of pictures, maybe show them a prototype, and see if people actually want it. Almost every single tech company now and a lot of venture companies, they go through this phase. This is their process. The first thing they do is they crowdfund and crowdfunding is cool because you can raise a lot of money and you sometimes you'll get 10 or 20 times more than you asked for. You'll raise a huge amount of money, but it also lets you to know, will people pay for this idea? And the great thing about crowdfunding, my favorite thing, is that if you don't raise 100% of your goal, no one gets charged. You don't get any. So if you say, oh, I need $7,000 to launch this idea and if you raise $6,500, it's not enough money, the market has said, hey, we don't want it. There's nothing worse than when someone launches a crowdfunding campaign that fails and then they don't give up. They go, oh, no, I'm gonna keep going. And it's like, wait, the market's already said they hate your idea. You've already gotten a really big hate, and they go, no, they just don't understand. And this is where you run into trouble, and these are a couple of the things about ideas that will destroy you. If you're about to partner with someone or you say, who says these things, or you say these things yourself, red flag, red flag, red flag. If someone you're about to do business with or a product or you have an idea and you say, oh, I just need to educate the market, get out of the house. When I'm in a movie and these people are in a house and you realize the house is trying to kill everyone in the house, that moment, that's what I hear when everyone says, oh, we need to educate the market. Educate the market means nobody wants it. We have to convince them that they want it, then convince them to buy it. There are these commercials for some dental thing and they always talk about acid erosion. And they have someone in a lab coat who looks like a dentist but isn't because it says actor underneath them. And they talk about it and go, no one's ever heard of that problem. And that company spent millions and millions of dollars running commercials to convince people that this disease they invented exists. There are several diseases like that that never existed until people invented the cure. And so then they had to invent the disease. But when they do that, they spend millions and often somewhere 20 to 50 million dollars to create a market. That's why only pharmaceutical companies do it successfully. When someone says, oh, I need to convince people that they, the market needs to change. Oh, man, because now you're not paying for advertising. First you're paying for education, then you pay for advertising after that. Those businesses, 9999999 percent of the time, massively fail, lots of money disappears. Another thing I hate to hear is, oh, everyone else is wrong. Everyone else doesn't get it. You just don't get it. You don't see it. You're not understanding it. Or you do a show to a bunch of people. There's a TV show where people invent this app. You It know, follows people in Silicon Valley, and it's just it's a comedy show. But they invent this uh, program that can save stuff using very, very small amount of space. Like It's a really good uh, compression algorithm, basically, which means instead of taking 100 megabytes, it now takes one. They've invented a really cool formula for it. And it has to, every time they want people to buy it, they go to these uh, small group meetings, and they do massive education campaign. They'll have people in a room with them for four hours while it explains how the software works and why it's valuable. Otherwise, people hate it. And that's a sign your product. Of course, just like in the show, the product fails. Because if you have to teach people why they want it or how it works, no one's going to want it. How many guys do you know who, when they buy a product, they take those instructions, they throw them right away? Don't give me the instructions. That's insulting. If I can't figure it out on my own, I don't want it. We don't want to be educated even after we've bought something. Why well, do we want to be educated beforehand? And maybe, maybe there's some women who throw away the plans too. I don't know. My girlfriend is always willing to read the instructions. I'm the one who throws them away. But that's my experience. How about this one? There's no competition. No one else is selling something like this. Oftentimes, there's a reason for that. All the time people enter a market, they go, oh, there's no one making this particular type of product. They make other things that are similar, but they don't make this one. We're meeting a niche need. Once you start to demonstrate that people want to buy your product, the larger company will go, oh, okay, and they'll make something that matches what you're doing and you'll disappear. You'll have a really good market share for about three years and then the larger company goes, oh, then we'll just make somebody compete with this guy because people want it. Now, this guy's proven the market for us. They are steal your testing. But usually when there's no market for it, 99% of the time, when there's no market for it, it's because no one wants it. There are so many inventions that just nobody wants. And that's the problem. There's things that people just don't worry about or don't care about. So your invention can be cool, your training can be amazing, but if you're teaching people how to do something they don't want to do, it doesn't matter. So the idea that no one else has seen something and you're the first one to see it, that's very risky. It's very unlikely to be true. It's possible, but... mm, this is why we need testing. Again, all of these, right? When you go, oh no, I'm right and everyone else is wrong, you can ignore these red flags. Testing is the answer. If you can test a product, right? Sometimes I see a product and they go, oh, I think no one would ever want that. And they go, we have $2 million in sales. They go, oh, well, I'm wrong, okay? The ultimate answer to all of these red flags, the ultimate answer to all of these uh, reasons not to do business or go into a product is that if you have sales. And if you don't have sales yet because you haven't made the product yet, and I recommend you don't make the product until people want it, is to run a testing campaign where you see if people would be willing to buy it or you get people to pay money before you create it. Doing that allows you to really overcome these objections because you can have all, I can have all these objections, right? I can say, "Oh, I don't know. You're saying a lot of things. No one else in the market. It seems really tough. No one else wants it. It seems like you're kind of caught up trying to educate. I go, oh, no, well, I've already sold a bunch. Then I go, okay, never mind. That's interesting. That's why that's so critical. And a lot of times you can't afford to make the product. So that's why we do this other form of testing. When I hear, oh, they don't see what I see, people don't understand. You know, people sometimes walk off of these investment shows and they try to get raise a bunch of money. It's like they have a failing business and they go, oh, they don't see what I see. I was like, no, <laughs> don't say that. You can't say they don't see what I see unless you have sales or unless you have testing proof. So this is why testing is so critical and this is why we have these four testing methods. And again, this is where you use the fake sales page or the word out of stock. They have the pre-orders where you're taking pre-orders on your website. Number three is where you sell by webinar, where they pay for something you deliver in a couple of weeks. And then number four is crowdfunding. When you use any of these four platforms, you can then test and confirm your idea. But if your idea fails, be willing to walk away. It's very important to admit when you have a bad idea because, look, I've had some stinkers. I don't like to talk about them too much, but I've made products and worked on projects that went nowhere. Understanding testing, being willing to... Spend a little money advertising is very important. Sometimes you have to spend a couple thousand dollars on ads, send them to your ideas to see if anyone's interested in it. The way I like to enter a market, the way I like to create a product is usually I'll be an affiliate for something. So I'll buy a bunch of traffic or I'll mail an offer to my list a few times. And if my list keeps buying it, I go, okay, I should make something similar. They like this type of offer. That's how I create offers when I have an idea. Oh, my list likes courses about how to build a blog. I'll make my own blog building course that uses everything I've learned and is a little better than the course I'm promoting. This is how you can test it, right? You can buy some ads, you buy Facebook ads, spend 5 or $10 a day, send them to an offer that's already doing well. And if you found an audience that likes to buy them, then you go, okay, now if I make my own offer, now I get 100% of the profits, I can actually make more money because now I've proven that the market wants it. That's why buying a little bit of advertising, do a little bit of testing, even though it costs a bit of money up front, will save you a lot of money in the long run because it avoids wasting time and investing in something that nobody wants, or an idea, or a project, or a product that's not going to go anywhere. Being able to tell if something's a zero or a hero, a winner or a loser, it takes a lot of time and a lot of experience. And even when you've been around the game a long time, you're not always going to be right. Most people that are big investors, most venture capital firms, they invest in 10 ideas they think are wonderful, with the expectation that one will succeed and make enough money to pay for the other nine failures. I often talk about this other podcast that I listen to that, I think the other po- the podcast, I think it's actually dying, I haven't done an episode in a couple of weeks, where you get to listen to people talk about uh, their new companies, their startups, their inventions, and I track them. And the majority of the investor, the people asking for investments, and people kind of talking about their startups, they've gone out of business in the last two years. Almost all of them have. Most startups fail. Now, the people inside the startup don't understand that because they think, oh, no, mine's the one that's going to succeed. How many apps are there about doing yoga in your house? How many apps are there about doing exercise? How many apps are there that do anything? They all do the same thing. We all have the same idea. How many apps are there to help you find a parking space? Oh, man, there's like 50. How many apps are there to help you do currency conversions? Dozens. Dozens. How many apps are there to help you track the mileage when you drive your car around so that you can properly do your taxes? Which is the ultimate nightmare of being a small business person is dealing with those road miles and taxes and all that stuff and depreciation of your car. Tracking all that stuff is such a nightmare. So, so many apps to try and help you. How many apps are there to help you scan your receipts? All of these apps exist. They're all out there, and there's tons in the competition, but each one of those goes to ours is the one that's going to succeed. When you're inside an idea, it's very hard to see... It's very, very, very hard to see the reality. The reality is that you know 9 out of 10 albums in the music industry fail, and 9 out of 10 startups fail. So when you're on the inside, it's really tough. This is why people diversify their investments, why people invest in a lot of different projects. Even projects that seem huge and seem genius, eventually they fade away. Look, Twitter's never made any money. I've been talking about this for a little bit of a while because I'm so fascinated by watching a company kill itself. Recently, the company said they're thinking about banning the president, because that's what you should do when your stock has lost 70% of its value in 18 months and your investors are suing you for running poorly. You should start a personal war with the president. That's a genius marketing move. It doesn't matter what your politics are in general. When you publicly threaten the president, your platform is going to be in trouble. Because what will happen? Whatever political party you are, 50% of the people are with you, right? So if you kick off one candidate or the president, at least half the country is going to be mad. Why would you want to alienate a huge amount of the market? And this is the reason that, as much as Twitter people brag about being early investors in Twitter, that company's lost $2 billion and it's never made a dollar. That's the reason they just had to shut down Vine. They paid $30 million for something, ran into the ground, and now it's gone. These ideas, even if they seem great, they don't always last. And This is why testing is so critical. Even once you've launched your product or launched your service, you want to test ideas before you release them. One of the reasons Twitter's on the way out is because they tested a bunch of ideas. And by test, I mean they didn't test. And they released these ideas into the market that really destroyed things. One of the things that they released out telling people was a timeline modification. So they messed around with what you get to see. So no longer do you see who you follow. You get to see who they want you to. And they mess with your feed. And they started messing with, as a community service feature, blocking anyone who had political views they don't agree with. But that the problem is... If you're right-wing and you're following someone right-wing and now you can't see that person's message, well, you're not going to use the service anymore, are you? And that's the reason that they've been hemorrhaging users for almost two years now. Their ideas that they think are good ideas, they didn't test. And when they implement without testing, kill their user base. Can you imagine (laughs) what it would be like to walk into your parents' house and say, hey, mom and dad, I started a software company. We lost $2 billion. Can you help me out? 2 billion how do you lose 2 billion dollars? It's astounding to me that they let you get away with that How do you I don't know where the 2 billion dollars come from people? Obviously the stock is worth nothing anymore And it's lost like about 80% of its value or something now This is the problem with releasing ideas without testing even when you have a proven product the product was doing really well It was actually doing great two years ago They changed CEOs there was a hostile takeover and they brought in someone who likes to release stuff without testing and also Sometimes people find out they're about to release something and Goes, we would never do that. They'll do a big announcement. we would never release something like that. And then a week later, they release it without telling anyone. Don't do that too. Like, even worse is to lie to your audience and say we would never do that and then do it a week later, which happened about twice in the last year. So it's interesting to watch when people get to the point where they go, we don't have to test ideas anymore. You know why Amazon does so well, whether you like or don't like the politics. I don't care about politics. I care about business, Right. I don't care about the politics of Twitter, whether you're left or right, None no, of that matters to me. What I care about is when a company makes decisions that lose 80% of its money or lose $2 billion and goes, you know what, let's double down. Let's double down on our bad idea. The reason Amazon does so well is they test all the time. My book pages look different every couple of weeks. There are a couple of websites where people always post in the different experiences they have. So they say, oh, look, the sales page looks different, or Amazon's doing this, or Amazon's doing that. Amazon tests all the time. They have new ideas. They'll test them to like 1% of their audience and see what happens. And sometimes they'll run the test in a foreign country. They'll go, oh, let's just test this in Argentina and see what happens. And then we'll move it to bigger and bigger countries. Facebook does something very similar. Now Facebook, I think, is getting close to the tipping point as well because now your news feed, and this is no accident, one out of every seven things in your news feed will be an ad they finally broken the ad blocking algorithm, so for the first time in three years I see these ads and it's very strict one in seven. A lot of people hate that. MySpace went out of business for doing too many ads. So Facebook's always testing to see how many ads they can put before people give up. Now that's the reason that people under the age of 20 don't use Facebook. Kids don't. Your kids will never use Facebook. You don't have to worry about that. Kids under the age of 20 are really into Snapchat and Instagram. That's what they're into. It always changes, right? That's the social social media when I was in college was MySpace. No one uses that anymore. Then it was Bebo. No one uses that anymore. Like platforms change, things shift. And the businesses that last the longest do the most testing. And the more testing you do, the more you see if your idea is good, the more you see if people want what you're going to sell before you sell it, the more you say, hey, don't just tell me you would buy it. Go to the checkout page. If You go to the checkout page and you click enter the credit card info then I know you really do want to buy it. That's the difference. That's how you test. And when you use these tests, when you test your product, you can avoid spending six months a year, two years, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on a product that nobody likes, nobody wants. This is how you avoid going in the hole financially and you can ensure that every idea you release in the market is actually a winner and makes you tons and tons and tons of sweet, sweet money. Thank you for
1: listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Serve No Master podcast. To find out how you can get a free copy of my new book, head over to servenomaster.com backslash podcasts right now.